everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Talk shoes. Recorded live. Black Power, Season 48, my hotel. Welcome to Feet on the Ground Radio. This is your brother Born. We come to get it in. We come to get it in today. We got a special. Today we got a, a special. We got a special uh, extra co-host coming in today. Brother gonna bring us some commentary. Brother by the name of Tim Black he has a YouTube page, Tim Black, and the brother brings some, uh, special commentary for breaking news. Um, gives it to us in his own special way. Uh, and you know the family, we enjoy. We enjoy um, listening to his commentary. Listen to his breakdown. Oh, national news stories, yeah. And so, you know, tonight we want to, well, today we want to bring the brother in and um, just, just basically, you know, have a nice conversation with him, get some background from him, and then discuss some of these uh, recent news stories that's going on. So uh, let me see him get everything open, and let me, let me get everything open here. So make sure I get the brother pulled on then. Let's see here. Let's get this stuff right. The thing's rocking off, right? All right. Load that up. I'm going to open up my chat room. All right, there we go. We got that. Got that over real quick. Got that over real quick. Or we come in, you know, the usual with a praise that turn of glory to God, we going to the spirit of Dr. Khaled to do Muhammad. Praise Harriet Tubman, glory to Ida B. Wells, long live the spirit of Sister Fanny Lou Hamer. Uh, we're going to throw in our little theme music real quick. And then as soon as the brother come in, we'll click right on him and get it and get it on in and get it rocking. There's a lot of things that have been going on. In the community, we'll see right here. Then we'll get our theme music to play in real quick, and then we'll move on from there. I thank you for that. 
As I said, we're going to have a special guest host with a little special commentary by the brother Tim Black at the YouTube page called Tim Black on um and the brother deals with, you know, breaking news and, and from all around the nation and all around the country. And, um, you know, he has a, a very a particular perspective, you know. Um, like some of the work that the brother puts in, definitely uh, definitely a, a, a brother that you should go ahead and take a, uh, take a chance to look into his, um, his YouTube page and just deal with some of the some of the different topics that he dealt with. He hits some uh, very... Um, head on and also exposing, you know, with a little bit of humor. You know, just um, the regular, he gives us that regular feel that Africans need when you want to hear the news, you know, put it in the perspective that it's still African. You understand that you're dealing with it in a black way and that you're not too lost up. So uh, with that being said, though, you know, Black Power, what's, what's going on out there, Brother Minkara? I see you out there. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, man. It's, it's still out here early in California. Um, I'm still in the process of trying to get with the brother. He's in D.C. right now, and uh, I don't know if he knows. I don't know if he's thinking it's four o'clock his time. Which I'm trying to let him know it's one o'clock now. So I'm waiting for him to get back with me. And as soon as he get back, you know, he should be jumping right on shortly. But I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. And uh, just you know, go off what you were saying. Um, there's a lot. A lot. A lot of media has been pushing our perspectives on how we should look at things. And I think by them doing it in so much a forceful way, it creates individuals like Tim Black and it creates people like Feel on the Ground. We have to uh, go in and carve out the truth for ourselves and really paint the picture of what needs to be painted for us to see, you know what I mean? And uh, I think that's what today's show is really going to be centered on, you know, building with a, a like mind, you know, and seeing that uh, we all have a common cause, but also that we, you know, our perspectives on the news even is, is, is shifted and we have to create our own genre, you know what I mean, our own perspective. So I look forward uh, to the brother calling in and uh, building with us today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, you know, and one of the important things, though, is is that uh, African media, that we have to have something that is, is pushing forward, um, you know, just that a black perspective. Because, you know, as, as you just stated, you know, we understand, we understand that major media uh, themes are themes that are themes that are directly centered on racism, white supremacy, directly centered on keeping the African in a uh, um, inferior role. You know, you understand, uh, uh, or not in, in not only an inferior role, but without a voice inside of that role on top of that. Because we have the faces, we will see media, and we will see the faces that look like and unto black people, that look like they are African people. But the mind state and the um, and the agenda that's given through their commentary is already set upon um, racism, white supremacy. It's already given because most media programs are already are programmed, as you know, as the term state program, meaning that there's something that is um, that is used to give you someone else's views and not and, and and particularly give them to you in order for you to take them in and only have that view, not something that, you know, when we're dealing with African perspective news or, or, or these new media venues that we've had to create our own self, we're not here to try to make you think like us, but we want you to open up your mind into thinking that is other than the normal. You know, it, it's basically, we, want, we don't want to uh, 
ground beat you, not me in particular, you know, feet on the ground like, like you know, on feet on the ground, we here to just open your mind up to a different perspective, not to do things through that same narrow uh, view that we've always been given, but just to have an option. We have to have options where we can go and get something that will open us up to something more than what we've already been given. Exactly. Hold on, brother. Hold on. Uh, go ahead, brother boy. He's, he's trying to get the pin number in now, so hold on. Okay. And, uh, you know, just, just saying that, you know, we've, we've seen um, story upon story. We're dealing from uh, the Flint, Michigan, from, from the water in Michigan, uh, the water in Louisiana, you know, the shootings. We have the, the Oscars. Uh, we've got presidential races coming, we, you know, and so all of these things. Every single one of these topics has to be given an avenue or has to be given a, um, you know, uh, we, have to, we have to give ourselves a uh, perspective on these things. So every single one of these venues has to be looked at. And I mean, every single one of these stories has to be looked at. And we have to start just giving out our own understanding on each one. We have to make sure that every story has African commentary because no matter what, no matter how big or how small the story is, black people are concerned about them. So in that concern, we must have someone who is concerned also enough to give you some commentary. Exactly. I, I, I totally agree with you on that. And um, I think I think what the problem is, is that uh, to some extent they've used this one shoe fits all type of scenario, even when it comes to news and information, education, uh, politics, you know what I mean? And that's just not the case. I mean, when you look at the variety that that, that takes place, you know, each, each tree has its place in nature and each tree is small, big, you know what I mean? And they don't accommodate to that, you know what I mean? So even 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 when it comes to ethnicities and races, the same perspective. So if, so if, you pump, if you're constantly pumping a Eurocentric form of, 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 of media, and mediating from a Eurocentric perspective, you're going to get the idea that everyone's mind state should be Eurocentric. So like you said, the minute that the minute that we create a genre of so-called black media, the first reaction we get from Europeans is, oh, they're trying to conform people to, to their way of thinking. No, 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 this is actually the response to y'all conforming us to y'all thinking. You see what I'm saying? And this will lead to a lot of lot of independent thinking and, and creation take place because they, they use this one-size fits all approach and, and it lacks diversity. You see what I'm saying? And that's what leads us to this perspective, the point that we are now. If you notice, um, when, uh, I wanted to say this till later, but I'll bring it up now because it fits right what you were saying. Um, one of the main things that happened after when the uh, first run with Obama's, uh, camp, his first run is the, uh, the bailout. But when they bailed out the banks, they also bought a, a lot of the media outlets. So when they did that, you get a really one, really, really one corporate idea. You know, they, they, they're on the same side. The media now is on the same side of the people who are doing a lot of the oppression. So this is creating a lot of independent genres of media. This was, you know what I mean? This is what I really, you know, this was creating the, the feet on the ground, the, uh, the Tim Blacks, you know what I mean? The other, the other, and I'll say that because there's a lot of people out there who's trying to push, push an uh, uh, idea or trying to push, a, you know, incentive, but it's not really sinking. Meaning, it's not really 
speaking to the ideas of the people and it's not really being honest. And you take it and, and they're creating a new genre, you know what I'm saying? So to have Brother Sim come on today, that's going to be a real good uh, build for the discussion because it's, it's, you really get to see we're not crazy out here. And there's other people seeing the same thing that's going on that we see, you know what I mean? You're totally, and you know, one of the things that you just stated, though, was is that during that bank bailout and the um, consolidating of the media, uh, of the media outlets also, you know, that that is a very important uh, integral point on how it did create the need, which was already there, the need was already there, but it, it forced us into creating these other media uh, outlets, these other media genres, because as you said, as you stated, we could see how, how readily we were just indoctrinated with that that one thought, that one thought. And if you went against this thought, it put you so far out that it, it um, alienated you from not only from family, friends, and just alienated you from the general populace, uh, period. And one of the things that these that, um, venues such as Feet on the Ground, such as the Brother Tim Black Show, what it does is it brings – you know, it changes what they call the center. It changes what the center is. Now you don't have, you know, it moves it from far, you know, where, however you want to put it, far left, far right, whatever it is, it changes that dynamic, though. That's, that's, what these, that's what our outlet does and other outlets such as this. It changes the dynamic on where you can get your information from, but also the perspective on how you, are to, how you can take the information. You don't have to take it the same as you were once given all all the time, you know, um, everybody don't like you know you know everybody don't like Cheerios. That's why they came up with Honey Nut, and that's and that's the thing right now. We want to give we, we, we want to make sure that regardless of where Brother Born, huh? Brother Born, he just called it now. Uh, when you hit the seven two four, you hit the one two nine seven three six pound, and then one, and you good, right? Yes. Okay, okay, okay. I just told him that, so you should be jumping on shortly. He said he kept calling, kept asking for the ID, and when he would put it in, it would ask for his pin. You just push the pound, then one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, after you put the one two nine seven three six pound in, yes, you just push the one in the pound, and he should be able to come right on in. I should be able to see him when he pops up. Let me make sure that um, everything is loaded up correctly. Um, we look at tomorrow. I have my. I'm open. I see the brother just. Um, I believe I see him just now coming in. And let me see right now. Uh, hold on, hold on one moment. Uh, Black Power, brother Tim. Brother hey, Tim, how you Black. doing, man, Carter? All right, then. All right, then. Oh, so this is brother Born right here. That's brother. Uh, this brother Born, one of the uh, one of the hosts. Brother Mickerel, he's out here. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, how you doing? Brother, I'm doing fine. I wish your name again. I couldn't hear you. I'm brother born, B-O-R-N, born like a baby. Born, gotcha, gotcha. Nice to meet you, brother born. Appreciate it. Sir, well, we appreciate it. Thank you for uh, thank you for showing up. We were just warm. We were just warming it up a little bit. Just, you, know, <laughs> let, you know what I mean? Let the people know. You know, we got a little um, just just the uh, perspective on why we have new African venues in in our media. Media outlets such as yours and such as this right here, to, just to bring forth a different perspective on on news, where we've always been given that one, you know, that one outlook from all these major media, no matter CBS, ABC, NBC, 
you you listen to them and you think that you're getting different perspectives, but it's all still coming from one, you know, basically one racist white supremacist. And That's you know, with, right. And with our radio stations, we want to just do something different. Make sure that we move the center from where everybody's been getting. So with that being said, brother, how how are you today? Hey man, I'm doing fantastic, man. I always say, man, any day above ground is a good day. And it gives me an opportunity to spread some good words, man, and make sure people get the information that they need so they can progress. So, yeah, I'm, I'm doing fantastic, my brother. How are you doing? I'm uh, every day up better than down. That's right. That's right, man. Uh, I also want to say, man, uh, thank you to all your listeners, man, for giving me the opportunity, and it's a pleasure meeting them as well. Yeah, and we'll let some of the callers come on in in a little while. You know, if they want to come in and ask some questions, we'll we'll make sure that happens. But basically, uh, family, we just you know we just wanted to chop it up with you. I'm, I'm gonna let Brother Minkara ask you a couple of questions, and then I'll and then I'll come back in it. But before he does that, can you just give the family a little a little background on yourself? How long you've been doing you know the media thing? What got you into it? And, you know, and, and the information so people can come find you. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, uh, as as brother just stated, man, I've been doing this for a while. My name is Tim Black. I am a uh, I'm a vlogger. I am a newscaster. I'm a reporter. I'm an investigator. I'm a journalist. I'm like a combination of many things. I create videos for digital content on the web. I got my start many moons ago. I say about 15 years ago when I wrote for a newspaper in D.C. called The Capital Spotlight. I am a native Washingtonian. I currently live in Maryland. Uh, being being new to journalism like I was, it was difficult to make a living, so I had to kind of tra- – uh, I went towards uh, computing. I went into the computing field for a while, but I kept writing. Um, I kept writing articles. I kept doing what I was doing. I got into public speaking, which um, I continue to do up to this day. Um, when things didn't look so great <laughs> in the IT field, I said, you know what, I want an, I want an escape hatch out of this because it was never really my dream to be working in the computer field. So I started doing videos, let's say, about three years ago, and I was doing them part-time. I was, I was doing my you know, work at 9 to 5 or 8 to, 8 to 4, and then I would come home, get a couple hours with the fam, and then I would start doing videos. So I did that for about a year and a half, and then as a position I was working with a company called Lockheed Martin. And uh, once I left, I ended the contract at HUD in Washington, D.C., and I was already doing my thing. And I said, you know what, it's time to go ahead and step out on faith and just do my thing. So that's kind of what brings me to this point now. I am at IamTimBlack.com. I am at TimBlackTV.com. I have a show that I do every night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Brother Mincora has been on the show a couple of times now. He's called in. We've got a healthy amount of people coming through because, like you stated, Brother Bourne, uh, people want different media. You know, people want different voices. People want a different perspective other than what they get in the mainstream media. So we provide that outlet. Um, I do also at uh, imtimblack.com. I talk about various news situations, breaking news, whatever's going on. Like I just, I just did a three-hour marathon show two days ago on the Flint, Michigan issue um, from a different perspective. Um, I, like I tell my callers, it's not just about me. It's about we. So people call up sort of like this right here, exactly what you, you brothers are doing. People call in and they're able to voice their opinions, get their thoughts out there as well, and we open up the forum. It's sort of like 
I start to show off. I set the table. I present some facts, and then I give my opinion, and then other folks chime in, and the conversation just rolls and rolls indefinitely. So we do that every day at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and sometimes we go to about midnight. It depends on the stories. Mind you, last night it was uh, the Jada Pinkett, uh, man, wow, well, Jada Pinkett issue, uh, the Jamie Foxx rescuing uh, the guy from the burning car. We looked at that issue along with what uh, mouthpiece for Fox, what's her name, the cute lady with no brains. Uh, I forget the woman's name at the moment. Oh, Stacey Dash. Look at Stacey Dash and the damage that she's causing with her uh, with her coonish-type rhetoric out there in the mainstream media. So, like I said, we, we, <laughs> we touch on many different topics, man, and, and it's a it's a great ride, brother Bourne. It's a great ride. I say, I say, you know, you, <laughs> you know the way that you said that, how you do your show is, and that's basically one of the ways that we do ours. It's more like a, even though it's feet on the ground, it's a radio show. It's more like a community call because we feel like we all we all have a perspective in this. We all have the insight to give to a lot of these different um. Uh, news issues and, and things that are going on, and the best way for us to be able to move forward, you know, is to have a collective. You know, as you said, you know, you put across your, your information, put across uh, your opinion, and then let it go around. And that's basically the, the mannerism that we do over here on Feet on the Ground Radio also. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm with you, man. It, it sounds like a great, you know, a great format, man. And like you said, man, it kind of feeds on itself, man. The more people know about it, the more people they tell, man. The proof is in the pudding as far as the word getting spread. Ain't no word like word of mouth, man. So once you got that going, uh, you know, sky's the limit. That's what I feel, man. My thing is we just have to stay at it because people are hungry for it. People don't know where I hear, frankly, Brother Bourne. They don't know that there are all these avenues, you know. I mean, historically, man, black folks get limited access to uh, technology. I mean, we're just kind of getting kind of acclimated to it. And, and as that grows, this format will grow. What we're doing will grow. Your, our only job, my job, your job, Brother McCora's job, is to keep doing it. Do not be discouraged. You just got to keep going. And I'm telling you, it's the frontier. This is where they're going to go. Everyone you see on TV, they're going to be trying to do what we're doing. Because that's where the people are. Mm-hmm. So you know what I'm always say, if you build it, if you build it, they will come. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, brother Mikarai, um, go ahead. You dialogue with the brother already. Go ahead. Any, any questions? Anything you want to throw in? Throw in there before we start hitting a couple um different articles and news stories and stuff like that. Oh, most definitely. This I love the discourse that's taking place right now. That was one of the reasons I was like, the brother has to come on, and uh, you know, we gotta build these bridges, you know what I mean? Because uh one of the gifts he has is uh we all have we all have a appeal of charismatic nature, like you said. And uh Europeans seem with their you know, with their frontier of belligerent news has created individuals like us. So I you know, I I wanted you all to build on the discourse because oftentimes when he brings people on his show, he's he's asking the questions. So, you know, I wanted to bring him on and get his feedback, let him talk some more because we you know, I want to pick at his brain for a minute. Uh but how you doing, brother Tim? Hey man, I'm doing excellent, man. Glad to be here. Thank you for coming. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna be the uh this is gonna be the interview perspective of the show right here. So I wanna go in depth and you know, and really pick at your brain with your perspectives on because you you know, you you're a great journalist, brother. And uh some of the you know, 
they all throw news out, but what you choose to look at in, in, in terms of what the news and how it pertains to us is the important thing, I think. And, and uh, could you just give us uh, uh, what's the state of uh, 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 D.C. right now? Well, yeah, what's the state, you know, are they in the same state right now as Flint? Or, you know, I mean, what's the, what's, the, what's the state of the people where you're at right now in, in your location, sir? Right. Well, D.C., man, we're going through a state of gentrification right now. We, uh, where people are being displaced, they're being pushed out into the Maryland suburbs, which are now turning into uh, more of a dilapidated structures, man, disenfranchised locations where black businesses are far to few and far in between. Um, this is not an accident. Like I tell folks, whatever you see going on, when you see it, when you live in a country as powerful as the United States of America, there are very few accidents that happen at the city, state, or federal level. These things are orchestrated by the system. The system eats us. The system, we whatever, like they say, whenever a white man has a cold, the black community gets pneumonia. And that's what's going on in D.C. right now. And what they're doing is once they cleaned up D.C., we saw it 10 years ago. Once they started cleaning up, we knew it was time. We knew they were going to come similar to what they did in New York and what they did to Harlem. So the city has become Vanilla City. And, and, you, and, and, and if you had homes, if you held on to them, you could make out pretty well. You could make out pretty well. But what they did was – they started throwing a little bit of money at brothers and sisters who weren't used to having money, and they sold those homes, and now those homes have doubled and tripled in value, sometimes four four times the value of what they were just, what, 10, 12 years ago. So that's what's going on in D.C., that coupled with the typical inner-city dramas of, you know, uh, over-policing. We've had recently a story in the news of a young brother at a uh, – how they did say – see, they look at us all, you know, they look at us – through that stereotypical lens of, you know, these brothers are hoodlums, man. But we have a lot of educated brothers. This is a mecca of educated folks with the diverse diversity in college universities. I'm sure you guys are aware of Howard, of course. But then you got, you know, we have uh, different folks up in Bowie. We have uh, lo- other locations, other schoolings that are right here in the same wheelhouse. So, you know, we recently had a story of a brother, man. He was just going in, using the bank, going to the bank, Someone got afraid because they saw him in the bank, and they tackled him. So, um, and, and, and brutalized him and abused that brother. That made national news. But we have stories like that that occur all the time. And that brother's going to get paid. But it, you know, there's so many stories that you don't hear about that are local, just like any other location in the United States. You know, people are under siege, and the gentrification in D.C. is going on. Thank you. But I asked that question because uh, I'm in California. Uh, brother mm-hmm. Barnes in Connecticut, and uh, you know you're in uh, Maryland and so forth. We, we, you know, like you said, it's not a coincidence. We see the same type of uh, of uh, tactics being used. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. it's, it's taking place whether it's in Chicago and so forth. And you made one of my best, my more best movie uh, videos that you made that catch my attention every time to put it in perspective on how you see what's going on and, and made an excellent video was why we shouldn't call the police. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you going to that, brother? Yeah, sure, man. Um, well, it's just when I got into, when I was able to do this full time, it just, it opened my eyes. When you consume media to the extent I have to consume it, you get a broader vision. You realize this is not a one-off situation. This is not, when you see, for instance, I can tell you a story that happened in D.C., and you, you brother, you could probably tell me a similar story 
though you've never been here, that occurred in California, the same thing when brother, brother born. You know, we all share the same experiences, and you'll realize as you deal, as you, if you have the time, which the average person doesn't, and I understand that. That's why it's my job. And I kept looking and seeing the same stories of people um, from a 90, I had a 94-year-old, that was the 94-year-old black woman in Louisiana. They called the cops because the, the, the son called the cop because he wanted grandma, he wanted to use the car or something. She wanted to use the car. She wanted to drive her car. So they called the sheriff. The sheriff came and told her to give the keys up. She didn't. She said, I got my gun. I'm not giving my keys up. That cop shot and killed that 94-year-old mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, saw to the earth. She lived 94 years. Imagine what she's seen, what she experienced for her to die on her own property, defending her own property, her own car on her own property by a damn cop. So, brother, I kept seeing these stories, man, these stories that over and over where people are thinking, I'm calling the cops, I'm going to, you know, cops are going to come in and defuse the situation, and the actual opposite happened. And this is not only in black communities. This is also in white communities. I see the same thing happen, so I say, no, you know if they're killing white boys in their own home because they had a weed controller, you know what they're going to do to us. You know, we they shot a brother in, in Chicago last week. They said he had, no, not sorry, not last week, three years ago. They covered that up. Cedric Chapman, he had an iPhone box in his hand. They said, oh, we thought that was a gun. So I'm seeing these, I'm, I'm tired of seeing these same stories play over and over, brother. And I said, you know what? Someone's got to say it. And I don't care if people get butthurt or not. You, when you call the police, it needs to be a last-ditch effort. You cannot call police thinking they're going to come in and solve your domestic violence. First of all, cops don't have time to deal with your domestic violence issue. If you can't walk it off, what happened to the days of walking it off? What happened to the days of going over your boy's house, going over your friend's house, going over your cousin's house, sleep it off? Do not call police because what's been happening, once you let, like they say, once you let the vampire in the door, once you let the wrong one in or let the right one in, once you let them in the door, all bets are off. They did not come here to talk to you. They did not come to reason. They did not come to de-escalate. Typically, when they show up, they're looking for someone to incarcerate or someone to brutalize. Cops sit around. A lot of cops, not all cops, but most cops, most of these young gung-ho cops particularly, they want to mix it up. And when they get called to a situation, particularly to a black neighborhood where they don't like black people for the most part, they don't like they're afraid when they go, they're apprehensive, or they're ready to mix it up. They're ready to bang some heads. They come to your door, they're not thinking about being your friend. They didn't come here to, they didn't come here to try to uh, reason with you and talk you down and pat you on your head and, uh, you know, let's go for a walk, son. No. So that's why I made that, brother, that video, brother, basically. I was tired of seeing brothers get killed, frankly. I was tired of seeing them get killed, thinking they're going. They're, they're women thinking that, oh, we, you know, this is the way I pay him back, and he ends up in a pine box. And, and I've seen it too many times, frankly. Mm-hmm. And that see that video is great journalism because you don't open up with the, the you know the typical oh this is a raceful black man who's only showing occurrences with the police and black people. You open up with a shopkeeper, I think we said somewhere in Washington or Portland somewhere who had an established business and so forth, and 
Um, he had that, you know, he had an issue with one of his uh, customers, and he had enough common sense that when he called for help, he didn't want the police to come. You see what I'm saying? And I like oh, that. Oh, yes. That. Yes. That's, that was uh, exactly. Now, you know, I do so many videos, man. I couldn't remember the specifics. You're absolutely correct. There was a, you're right, it was correct. It was in Oregon. And they have a, like, a breakfast shop. It's a 24-hour breakfast shop. And they have people. It's like a community haven. You know, sort of like a Starbucks, but it's a mom-and-pop type Starbucks coffee house sandwich shop. And a brother, a brother passed out in the bathroom, and they were afraid to call paramedics because even if you call a paramedic, they bring cops with them. You can't even call for someone who's ill without cop looking for an opportunity to incarcerate someone and push them through the prison industrial complex. You feel me? So he said, look, if he tried to get it straight, what did he call him? He said, do not bring, bring officers. And they said, it's a value pack. If an if a, if a, a EMT comes, they're going to bring an officer. So you're exactly right. That's, that, that's exactly what happened. They brought the officer, and he argued with him. And this was a white, this was a white, white shop owner. He argued with the cops, like, look, I don't want him checked for drugs. The man is ill. He just needs a doctor. He doesn't need to go to jail. He didn't, you know, he didn't break any laws in my establishment. The man just fell out. <laughs> he fell out, and and that's what it is. So, uh, yeah, that, I'm 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 glad. Wow, man, that was a couple years ago, man. I, I appreciate you uh, remembering that video. And that, yeah, that was one of the first videos that got me right there. But but but, but did you want to go ahead and ask any questions as well? No, I, I just wanted to comment on that on that story right there because I recollect I recollect when that story came out about that about the brother who uh, well about the shop owner and the police and that's not the only time you know um, I'm gonna find the other I'm gonna find the other story and hopefully I can get that over to you. That's not the only time that I've heard of shop owners calling for um, EMS and it's normally out there in the mid Midwest all over to um, to that western. Western, northern, western region. A lot of a lot of folks up there are very leery about allowing police just to come inside of their establishment, mm-hmm. and not because of a, a fear of like they're going to do something, but more of you know white people out there feel like yo I got rights, so I don't want you in here because I got rights to tell you as a police officer to stay out of mm-hmm. my shit. And, and, and I've been seeing that. I've been seeing that picking up a lot too since that since that last time. I've been seeing these stories pick up. As soon as I can find them, I'll definitely shoot that over there to you, family. Yeah, please do that. Please do that. And you're and you're correct, brother Born, man. I see it. It's a different mentality, and and we we know where that's from, man. There's a uh, this is their country, and they know it. Mm-hmm. You see what's going on in Oregon. Now that's just a microcosm of the uh, macrocosm of the, you, you see what's going on with those guys. You know, we all, we all know in the, we know in the deepest recesses of our brains, what would have happened if a couple of us brothers would have got together and said, let me go take some land. Let's go and hold up. I don't care if the play, like I told my, my view was on the show. Those white guys went into Oregon and they took some land. They took a government building. If if you the three of us got together and decided we're gonna take land on Mars, a government facility on Mars, there would be some officers who had to jump in a space shuttle, come to Mars and shoot us. 
because that's how they roll. So in the Midwest particularly, man, they're not conditioned. They're not, they're not even socially conditioned like white folks in the cities here in the, on the East Coast, maybe the same on the West Coast. They're not used to it. They, you know, they, they still want to live that open prairie lifestyle of, you know, you know, they live in rural areas and this is their domain. So it's just a mentality difference, I think, as you go across the country that you experience. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. It's creating a lot of frustration too. It's like um that other uh the other video you document uh I'm trying to think of the title of it, with the brother from uh I think he was uh New New Jersey or, or somewhere in New York, back east, northeast region. And mm-hmm. out of his frustration, uh decided he would get a gun and go wait at the local uh, CVS, I think, or something like that, and just try to assassinate a young police officer and end up getting himself killed. And, you know, this... It's, it's getting frustrating for our people, you know what I mean, because we're starting to right. see really their, their agenda. And uh, I just want to put this context for you, and I want you to build on this, too. Are you familiar with um, MADD, like Mothers Against Drunk Driving? Yes, yes, I am. Now, that was a coalition of mothers who were seeing... Uh, uh, they were connecting their numbers with other mothers and seeing that it was a vast number of, of the individuals dying from drunk driving accidents with children. And right. instead of them isolating the incidences to individuals and trying to sue on the individual effort, they made a coalition, and, and that coalition put a lot of strict laws in place. Now, regarding a lot of these murders that's been taking place with our people going it's individuals trying to charge these individual uh, uh, cities, you know, polices with uh, charges of murder and so forth. Wouldn't you think it'd be a better effort if, if they were to tie in the coalition, you know, uh, uh, black mothers against, assass- you know, in, in that context and, and put it more in a national effort and try to, you know, I mean, because we're having so-called civil rights lawyers losing cases, for example, you know what I mean, in, in, in all right. these issues, you know what I mean? Could you go right. on, you know, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, there are, and I, I agree with you as far as us forming a coalition. Actually, man, and this is the first time I've really discussed it, um, I was contacted by an organization called changeisonus.org, and it's led by a Jerome Sanders, who is a, she actually ran for, for mayor out in Missouri. She's in, based in Missouri, but it's a national organization, and they've created some legislation they're trying to pass which will take a comprehensive look at how policing is done and be able to track it in real time. See, like right now, brother, we don't have a mechanism in place. Though the DOJ is finding that there is corruption on the police level, state levels, local levels, and police law enforcement, there is no way to truly track interactions with police. Like there's no national – like right now, I couldn't go to a – there's no source to go and say – how many brothers are being picked up in Southside, uh, what is it, uh, in Compton or in D.C. or in Chicago? How many stop and frisk are going on in New York? That is data they have to collect um, later. See what I'm saying? But we have no real-time system. So what they're trying to devise and what the legislation says is we're trying to – we have software developed where we will be able to track these things as an ongoing basis and tie sort of like – I don't know if you know, but here in the D.C. area, maybe it's similar where you are. If you if you can't get a license in D.C., once upon a time, you could just go to Maryland and go get a license. You could be suspended in D.C. You can go to Maryland, and no one would know you were suspended, and you, you hit three people, and you have five DWIs. 
If you go right to Maryland to get a license, and if you couldn't get one there, you go right to VA because they were not connected. That's the same theory that pertains to law enforcement. So what we're trying to do, the name, the name of the organization, or actually the name of the uh, the legislation is U-R-L-E-I-A. And I'm looking for the acronym. It's a long acronym. But if you go to change, um, changesonus.org, you'll see it. And I'm going to be working with them, Eurolea, Eurolea. And it's, it's, it's comprehensive. So once again, like you say, it's people coming together. It's an organization. Uh, we have we're going to have ambassadors. Um, I, I encourage you guys to get involved. We have ambassadors for it. Once again, this is this is what we need to do because even though the DOJ is finding that yeah we got corruption, we have police brutality. There's no way to track every instance, every instance of interaction that the police has with folks in the community regardless of what color they are. Just we need a way to know. Right now, we don't even know how many people have died even this year from police shootings. There was no national database uh, how many t- You know, you don't even know how many bullets have been fired. You don't know, we, we don't have a way of truly analyzing. And, if you, and see, the thing is, it's also preventive, brothers, because we would be able to know some of these officers, like Van Dyke, who shot, um, who shot Brother Laquan McDonald, he had 30 complaints in his folder. The brother, the cop that shot Tamir Rice should not have even been on the force. But there was no national data. The guy had been, they had been, he had been ruled psychologically inept to be a police officer by another law enforcement agency. And no one knew it when they hired him. Like there was no, or at least they could, they could, they could suggest they didn't know because there's no database that you could quickly go to that has his records in a national database. So, once again, man, that's that's part of uh that's an initiative that I'm behind, man, and I'm gonna be working with them so we can get some we can get some change done, man, as far as how we collect data and be pre- proactive. So we can we can see a cop who has thirty infractions with law with with the public and you can see it and I can see it and we can say, Hold up, what's going on with this guy? Let's get this guy in here before he shoots a Laquan McDonald. And then people go, oh, my God, I didn't know he had, you know, I didn't know he had 30, I didn't know he had 30 complaints. See, currently, guys, they're able to pretend not to know because there's no way to hold them accountable because there's no data, real-time data oversight of what's going on. We only find out after people die. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So I know that's a lot, man. I got, man. I I do this every day, man. This is what I do. So y'all gonna have to tell me to pull up, man, because I get on the road and just keep talking and talking, man. This is what I do, man. Because the people, the people need it. You know what I'm saying? The people need that information. They need to know and understand exactly what's going on. You know, um, one the other one, like I haven't been is um thoroughly until brother, you know, brother Mickerel put me up on you, so. In the past couple of weeks, I've been, you know, striving to look into your archives and been looking at different videos, and so I just, I just pick out the ones I've been going through. All of them, I just pick out the ones that I, that you know, the titles that shoot something at me that I, that I've listened to or I've done something on the story, and then I just go back and I look at your story, and I'm like, oh, all right, you know, we run it on the same lines, but a little different, and mm-hmm. um, not to really move 
from the police, not to really move from that police thing, but it's just one is one in particular story, the one with the the Daniel Hostclaw. Okay. I just I just want you to I just want you to give give me your perspective. You know, I, for the people who, on our radio show who might not have been to your you know been to your site and heard you know your, you did three or four different ones on Daniel Hostclaw. I know you got one that's over an hour that I was listening to, but right. I just want you to give the people a little bit of thought or just thought on, on just that whole culture of being able to rape. And so, right. you know, being a police officer and that and that's been going on for so long and, and just that culture of of deviance that's built in inside of, of the police department and your thoughts on that. Right. Uh the Daniel Holtzclaw situation, man, is a tragic situation, man. It's a it's an abhorrent it's an uh, it, it really strikes to the core of the disconnection between folks in the society who don't realize these are not isolated events. That's the first thing I want to say. This man systematically preyed on poor women of color. One white girl, he threw a white girl in there, but poor women, black women who were disenfranchised, who he felt were vulnerable. This is not new. This is not, you did not just spot uh, Bigfoot walking in the 7-Eleven, son. This is something that happens every day in mm-hmm. cities all across the United States where officers with badges take gratuitous, where they take advantage and use their power over the over over people who are powerless. Daniel Hosclaw raped Somewhat, some say 15, 15, 15, 21. But that means to me that Daniel Hosclaw could have possibly raped 100 because he went unchecked for nine, ten months. He did this over nine If you could do something, look, no one gets caught the first time they do something. Mm-hmm. If you get caught the 30th time you do something, it's probably you did it for at least a hundred more times. That's the way I look at it. These remember these women who had rap sheets, all except one, all had rap sheets and still came forward. So think of all the women. Think think of women who had warrants. He ran up on. He looked in databases for people with warrants, and said, "Okay, let me go find them." And when he found them, hey, I'm about to lock you up, or you know, we can go do this. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. Think of how think of how so 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 some people don't understand it. Some brothers and sisters don't know it's the mainstream media. They don't tell you the the full range of the sadistic nature of what this guy did. If you think about what he did and you look at it and you say, well, you know what? What stops somebody else from doing this anytime they want to? This guy has the full weight of the justice system of law enforcement behind him that can take you. You you have a warrant, okay, and you and you and you know the situation. You know you can go to jail. You know this. So um, once again, Daniel Hostclaw, what's not Daniel Hostclaw? Most people don't know is that he got he he got cocky and he decided, well, I'm going to just pull people over. He happened to have the misfortune or the fortune for us to pull over a woman who had some standing in the community. He pulled over a grandmother who had a good job, who just happened to be going home from, a, from an outing with friends, and he, he assaulted her. She did not take it lying down. The police were unable to ignore 
her complaint because she had pull, because she was upstanding, no warrants, high-wage high earner, good corporate job. They were unable, because I'm going to go to press. I'm going to go to the press. So that's what blew it open because they had other, they had 15 complaints before they got hers. And they went retroactively and looked into the others that they had ignored. That's the thing about Daniel Hostlaw most people don't know. So as much as I wanted to feel good about them uh, incarcerating this guy and hitting him, what, what did he get, 20 years, 30 years? As much as I want to feel good, lifetime, yeah, 30 years. As much as I want to feel good about it, the fact of the matter is if he had not happened to have the misfortune of pulling over a sister who had a good job, he would have never been charged. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's how I looked at that situation. And one, one thing that I also looked at was that in that department in Oklahoma, there was someone, to me, someone had to coach him into the fact that this could be done. I think there's more of a, it, yep. it might be a departmental thing where they found out that you could do this because he, you know, not to put nothing on him, but he didn't look like the brightest person who just, you know, understood that he could go out and just start doing this. But you know how people get taught certain things. That, look, you can do this. Right. And then he just seemed like he went out of he went out of control. He took it further than it seemed like uh, uh, some of the other officers. But I think that this might be a culture that just, was in that Oklahoma the police department anyway, that this is something that can be done. If you you know you want a little piece, you catch one of these women out here, you can take it from her. No problem. Yeah. Because as you said, once right. you get 15 women who they already had complaints, you can imagine 30, 40 other women probably came in and they just threw that shit right in the trash. Get out of here. Get out We don't need to get don't. out of here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and that's how I looked at it. I said, this is, it was definitely one of the most one of the uh, eye-opening uh, uh, scenarios that I think our people really have to look at uh, again to really understand the culture of criminality in the total police department, that it's not an individual. One individual man couldn't keep that all quiet by yourself. There was at least one instance that I know he had a partner with him initially, and and he pulled the, the woman, based on the woman's testimony, the partner looked the other way and left. So someone knew something. Mm-hmm. But you know, you got that you got that blue curtain of silence where no one talked. No one said anything. And that's the thing. It's the pervasive criminal like you say, the undercurrent it's the culture of criminality in the police, in law enforcement that exists. And that's why I tell folks, man, we need an actual overhaul of the system. Even if you have good officers, there have been good officers. Believe it or not, I know it sounds like an oxymoron, but there have been good officers who have come forward, man, and then they get marked for death. Someone said the police force is the biggest gang in Los Angeles. It's the biggest gang in the United States. It is the biggest gang. There are officers who get marked for death, who are afraid, who leave their house. I personally have met officers who became officers after being firemen because it was just seen in the same wheelhouse who quickly went back to being firemen because the culture is sadistic. It's toxic. It's, it's horrible. And they go, you know, it's, it's, it's something you like, you wouldn't believe, man. And what they do, like you said, it's not isolated. Um, I'm not going to, I can't say if 
you know, it's something. Every everybody's going around raping thirty women. I don't think so. I think this guy is a. I think he is a bad. Um, he he has some. He has some. Uh, I mean, come on. There is there's something mentally. There's some problems there, but I'm not going to let him off the hook and say he's insane. No, he's not insane. He's just sadistic. He can be sadistic and know what the hell you're doing. So um, I don't think that every officer is raping 30, 40 crackheads or, or, or 40 strippers or 40, you know, once again, he went after women he knew were in the system. He didn't just pull up on random people. So it was a sadistic nature. It was a scheme. It was a strategy to avoid detection. He didn't, you know what I'm saying? So he knew he knew who to target. And like you say, I do believe that, that he probably knew of someone who did it also. And he was the fall guy. He's the guy who got caught. I, I don't think he can keep something like that alive. I don't think I don't think if you are a person who does drugs and you know several cops because you've been picked up, you had to see other cops that you know. And maybe have relationships with them. If you are someone who gets picked up often, because you are a, a prostitute, then you would know several officers who probably picked you up for something before. I can't imagine one of them not saying, hey, you know, this guy is coming on to me or this guy is or whatever, and, and they're just staying silent. I, I can't imagine that. And even if that's the case, these women reported it. And once again, he was never disciplined. He was never even disciplined. He was never disciplined. He was never written up nothing until that sister until he pulled over Barack Obama's, uh, uh, Michelle Obama's mother and, and made moves on her, was, was this even considered something that they needed to look into? And I say that in jest. That's, of course it wasn't her, but, you know, until he pulled over somebody that they couldn't ignore. Yep. That was it. <laughs> yeah, I understand, yeah. Yeah. Actions are most predatory, you know what I'm saying? It's like a predator, way, way you, the way you put it out, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And you like, you know what, honest, you know, if you think, first of all, you got to put your mind into the mind of someone who can do whatever they want to. That's why I try to tell people, like, why are people surprised when they hear these stories? It's like, dude, they can do whatever they want to do. you on a plantation all over again. They can do whatever they want to do. Without, if, you, if, if you take a sick individual and say, you have the authority to take life at will, you do not even need to explain. And you got an army behind you that will lie for you. Look, the Laquan McDonald, look, look at that from the top down. Man from Mayor Rahm Emanuel on down. They covered that up. They shot that boy 16 times, 14 shots when he was on the ground laid out. The dude reloaded. Dude reloaded on this guy. And none of those officers came clean. Not only did they not come clean, they signed off on lies on the police report. And then they went a step further. He's not the one in the Burger King erasing the information off the computers. You feel me? Exactly. <laughs> He got other dudes doing that. If that ain't the, and you want to talk to me about the blood in the crypts, come on, man. Come on, man. You want to talk to me about the gangster disciples. You know, come on, man. Nah. Uh-uh. Nah, the real gangs, the real gang. That ain't enough. We ain't getting down like that. We ain't in Burger King erasing footage. Exactly. <laughs> you know? That's a real story right there, you know, um, and just in particular with Chicago, that's that's one of the things where you know, with with the way that the, the media has has um 
live, any type of black on black crime here, that when 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 blacks are murdered in Chicago, it's automatically we throw it over to oh some ah oh, man, you know that's just black on ah uh, you know there's black people killing black people, but a lot of the people who are on the ground are are, are now just bringing forth the story that listen, no this what's going on here. Is a system is systematically we're being murdered now. Yes, we got we got our own infighting, but the police department here in Chicago is it's open season on us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is, because mm-hmm. the police come out when they come out, they come out. It's it's gunfire first. We ain't asking questions, and if you go down, they leave and let people call the cops back. And then it's like it was a random gun. Like it was then it would seem like oh you know. The cops will shoot you. This is what this is what this is what brother told me. He said the cops will shoot you. They'll leave. People in the neighborhood will get on the horn and call the police and say it was a shooting. Then the police will come back after you know, and then come pick you up after you're dead already. Wow. The ones who doing the, who doing the shooting? But they'll leave, come back. They waiting for somebody call nine one one. Then they come back, to come pick you up. I don't look, look. I I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it, and and that's you know as horrible as that sounds. Why don't I doubt it? Because I know how they roll. People tell me I've had I've had white guys tell me, Tim, you need to keep your eye on your six. You talking too much. Be be concerned. I'm saying, Tim, we care about you. You need to be concerned because you're talking about police. They're gang. They this is real. You need to you need to be get, get make sure you take care of you and yours. Because mm-hmm. that's the that's the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And though and, and a lot of people say that we're, we're conscious, we're part of the conscious community. We know what's going on. Do you really know what's going on? Or do you you know what I'm saying? Do you really know? Or do you just get online and listen to a few brothers that you know you know they put together a couple words that you like hearing and then go about life? Do you really know what's going on? This is real, and I, and that's why I don't doubt it at all. I don't doubt at all what you're saying. And I hopefully, well, I will get to the point where I will be able to go to locations and talk to people. You know, I, I, that's how I want to do it. I ain't doing nothing until I'm able to get out, go to Chicago, go, you know, go to Missouri, um, go, to, go to Ferguson myself, and not rely on mainstream media, any, any of them. I don't rely on them for anything if it's up to me, but at this point, what else can I do except, you know, when I'm fortunate enough to get eyewitnesses? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm Go saying? On. But I, I wanted to jump real quick, man, to Flint, Michigan, man, and just people people need to understand, man, that we are truly, we, it's truly, we have this thing where we're going class and we're going black folks. And we're trying to, it's, people think it's, people think the issues can be boiled down just to class because they want to get away from the racial aspect of these issues. But when you look at, for instance, you look at Flint, Michigan, and you say, how could these guys poison people and still have jobs? Still, the one person got fired. Look, look, 10 people died, bro. 10 people were poisoned and died. They kept this filthy water in place for over a year. This is, look, we know how to treat water. We do it every day. This is what we do in America. All the water that comes out your faucet, no matter where you live in America, has been treated. How could you not treat water? 
Mm. That water was browner than me, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if you see me. Well, you had to just see my videos. That water. But see, the issue was this. You got 30. Flint, Michigan is 37% white. Michigan, Michigan is 78% white. That's the thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Flint, Michigan is 56, 56% black. Michigan, Flint, Michigan is 56% black. But Michigan itself, the state, is only 14% black. Now we start tying it up, and then we go to class, we go to money. Well, 41% of people in Flint, Michigan live beneath the poverty line, and it's only 16% statewide. So we got poor black people. You always see the correlation between poor and black. Every place that you name a problem in, in the United States, it involves incarceration, involves crime, high crime rate, police brutality. You're going to see those two things. You're going to see poor people and you're going to see black people, predominantly black people. You can go over three cities over and you will not see it. And then people act like they don't understand what's going on. It's because they don't know the data. I mean, even unless you're just a straight-up racist, white supremacist, will you not be able to put two and two together when you see the same thing in Baltimore, you see the same thing in Ferguson, you see the same thing in Chicago, you see the same thing in Flint, Michigan, you see the same thing in Detroit. You see, I mean, it's just the same demographics. I, I, I challenge anyone to just simply look at the data, go to, go to put in the cities that you keep hearing about, they pull up their census data. Mm-hmm. Period. And it'll tell you. And the thing about Michigan, which is so, which is so, you know, where you can see, see Michigan is, is is a place where you can see the direct, directly how they uh, attack the black and leave the white alone is because we had Kwame Kilpatrick who he just mm-hmm. he, he messed up some money. He messed up some money, and he in jail. But you murder, you murder the people outright, and you still hold your job, governor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, call me, call me, Patrick. I'm actually, I was talking to somebody yesterday who's familiar with that, um, familiar with the family, familiar with those folks. And there was corruption in that. There was corruption there long before Kwame showed up. His only mistake was getting caught with his hand in the cookie jar. I mean, the cookie jar is open. And, you know, you have to resist temptation, period. You just have to resist the temptation. And and the problem is when you come into a system where people are used to doing business in that manner, it's difficult to stop what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to because it's already around you. It's all around you. It's like, you know, going to a location and everybody else, no one's wearing deodorant. No one, you're the only one. You come out dirty anyway. Everybody else is, everybody's been playing mud football, and here you come bumping up against people. You're going to get dirty too just by association. So that was the situation there, man. I say, I say that I, I definitely agree to, uh, 100% on that. Uh, I, um, Brother, Brother Mickler, you want to add on something about that Flint, Michigan? And uh, one thing for the people who are out there right now, though, if you if you out there, uh, I got some family who out there who are they from Detroit, but they out there on a regular basis bringing water. They sipping water out there. They bringing water to family. You know, um, clean water. If you if you want to, you know, donate, 
three, four, $5.89 buys a gallon of water. So if you, if you um, could, you can go to It's Me Brick, and that's I-T-S-M-E-B-R-I-C-K. It's Me Brick.com. And, um, and you can donate, you know, um, you can donate a couple dollars. There's a, um, you can you'll look on the brother's page. You'll see a donate button, and if you donate, the brother does music. If you don't donate three dollars, he'll send you a digital copy of his CD. But we really just want to just strive to just uh, get as many family members as possible working on at least um, starting to alleviate some of that pressure on the family out there. I mean, I appreciate that, man. I, I mean, I applaud you for that. That's uh, that's great work. Um, I'm still disappointed, man, and um, horrified that. We live in a country where they can't provide the basic necessities to people who taxpayers who live in that area, man, that, that you would have to ask people to give them water. It's horrible, man. It's horrible. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Because, I mean, when you, when you say, like, you say, look at the facts, when you look at the facts, all you got to do is just look at look at the geography where uh, Michigan is. And Michigan is right there by Big one of the biggest freshwater reserves in America. There it is. So, no one, no one, whether you poor or not, just because the relationship they have with the geography of the water, nobody should be uh, really out of freshwater. You know what I mean? And um, looking a little further, there's all you know. There's been always the concentration of, of of high deaths in the state of Michigan with black people, whether it be in Detroit and in Flint, Michigan. That's been really uh, since the fifties. Ever since, ever since the um, the falling out of, of of the GM Motors and the car industry mm-hmm. dying off, and, and there's always remaining a large number. I was watching a documentary last night um, on that, on how the uh, for I think since the early '60s to like the early, uh, the '90s, Detroit remained the murder capital of the world. You know what I mean? And that just shows you it's 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 like okay, I I, I put a scenario out. Uh, there are more students now going to school for criminology than going to medical schools. So I asked the question, if you study criminology, do you benefit from crime? Hmm. That's interesting. (laughs) There sure is a correlation. Wow. Wow. That's I've never. That's a new new concept. I had had never even thought about that. That's uh, that's amazing. And, and, and you know what? You, you have to say, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why 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 people taking up this line of study. It's got to be a payoff at the end of it. We live in a capitalistic society. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if you are a farmer, you benefit from produce, right? <laughs> right. And cattle, if you you know, if you study, I mean, when I say criminology, people just think it's just um, cops. I'm talking about probation officers. Uh, everybody, you know, I'm, when I when I open these doors, everyone's in uniform, and it almost seems to be like you're either civilian or military to, to some extent. From the uh, all genres, they all some type. They all they all in uniform with badges. You know what I mean? It goes beyond just being cops. You know what I mean? Because right. Parole officers, probation officers, uh, 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 DA, you know, all of these uh, acronym groups, you know. So, 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 to, so to some extent, you got to ask the question. And then the lawyers. Right. And they yeah, say, well, now, 
lawyers mm-hmm. save more lives than, than doctors. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And you, you know what? You're right. That's a knee, it's a knee-jerk reaction, man, where we, we, we quickly, because, see, police are the face of law enforcement, face of the prison industrial complex, face of, uh, you know, judicial system going awry. But reality, man, the the, the pieces behind, the, behind them are the, really the most damaging. What's more damaging? Cops who kill, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, a couple thousand people a year. Uh, some people estimate highly as a couple thousand. Uh, modest statistics are, you know, was it 1,100? Or the system or the prosecutors that funnel in thousands per, per, almost per locale of people into the prison industrial complex. I mean, what is, you know, so they're the ones behind it, the prosecutors. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? You know, uh, these these are the real people, the judges, the prosecutors who are who are slamming brothers with this time, who are the laws. I mean, it's it's from top to bottom. It's from top to bottom. We need to we need to look at that. And, and you say what happened in these what's happening in these cities can't happen without the without the the collusion of people in power. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think that was I think that's an excellent word to use collusion because you know if you say people were conspiring or it was a conspiracy. Then all of a sudden, people throw you off into, oh, well, that 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 ain't real. You you talking, uh, you know, you talking some fantasy stuff you made up when you say conspiracy. But there was, you know, people are in collusion together. That's excellent, excellent, uh, you know, excellent way to describe that. Well, what it, what it is, fam, is that people people don't want to people don't want to know. Like everyone wants to go to heaven, nobody wants to die. Everybody wants solution. Nobody wants to face that. We got to face the, the beast. We got to face the scary, dangerous uh, zombie apocalypse to get to the promise. I mean, this is the reality of it, and people don't want to accept. If you look, I, I, I tried to tell folks this a couple of days ago on the show. I said, look, America has a lot of people in it. It's so many people. Forget, forget America. Your state, Maryland, has so many people in it. it your mind shuts off. It can't even count. It stops counting. Like we only see the people we go to school with or go to work with, and people we drive, drive next to. Or if you take public transportation, the people that you ride the train with. I mean, that's we can only in our minds wrap our heads around that amount of people. But in reality, a lot more people. So when you start looking at how many thousands and millions of people there are in the United States. How the hell could – have you ever taken kids to the zoo? Have you ever taken a group of kids out to the movies? I mean 10 kids, 8 kids. It's hard to control 5 people, 10 people, 20 people. Can you imagine being a figurehead or a leader or a country trying to control multiple millions of people and keep them from uprising? Hmm. What steps do you think – if you could imagine someone having to take to keep the money coming in, to keep people from riding, to keep people from blowing the shit up, to keep people from shooting you, bringing down your power structure. I mean, if you start really thinking about it, a lot of this could stuff, you know, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but you have to realize it's a strategy. There has to be a scheme. There has to be some type of, people think stuff just happens. People think, people think, oh, just, you know, Nothing's tied together, but in order to keep this country without it, with a history of revolution, 
to keep it the way it is, there has to be collusion. There has to be conspiracy. There must be because there's no way to do it. There's no way. And that's not just, look, that's not just black folks. That's white folks too because you got white folks who are not used to, who are not raised with a boot on their neck, at least not one that they that they can readily identify because they're, they're sleeping at the wheel not knowing what's going on, a lot of them. But you got to keep them sedated because if good old boys wake up in Oklahoma and Oregon and Wyoming and Iowa, I had white guys write, write me last week. Tim, this is a warning. We are fed up. These white dudes in Iowa. They train, son. They are training. So to keep these all these different factions, these different pockets of people from uh, overturning the uh, the wheelbarrow, so to speak, man, there's got to be some stuff done behind the scenes. There's got to be collusion. There's got to be. There's got to be a strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and one of the things that you just stated about the, uh, you know, about white guys calling you. Uh, I've had the I've had the uh the chance to speak to some of these, you know, militia type uh, white guys out there mm-hmm. midwest and, and you're right that mm-hmm. you know, the one thing that America is trying to do is keep them appeased and keep them from going off. But that that is one thing that is, is going on right now. They're they're saying that look, we're fed up. We fed up and we're looking at y'all black people. We don't like you, but we don't think that y'all the real enemy. But trust this: that we ready to go. So you either going, you either going to buckle up and get ready for what's coming, or you going to get what what's coming. And so I think that it is definitely uh, um, we definitely have a, a, a ongoing situation where we have to be prepared. Whatever you see going on in the state next to you, I tell people like you, what we see with the water in Michigan. You see that the same thing that's going on in Flint, they got that going down in Louisiana. I got people yep. down in Louisiana been going through the same thing for for years, for years. So I tell our people all over the nation, look, it's coming soon to a theater near you. <laughs> yeah. Love it, I love it. Yep, it's coming soon to a theater near you. So just be ready for it when it happens. Uh-uh. Wow, family, do you? Um, I, I see, I see a couple other family members out there. Brother Claus, is that you out there? Yeah. It, it might be. If not, Brother Menkara, do you have do you have any other um any any other um story you wanted the brother to go over? Because I know it's one more story that don't have anything to do with this right here. But me and him had a when when I when I heard what he was saying in the story, it just it woke me up to another perspective. I was like, damn. I said that. Now he is dead on point about that. So now, um, brother Claus, you out there? All right. Well, I, I see the family. I see the family out there on the line. They might be just listening in. Brother Minkara, do you have anything else you want to add on uh, to, uh, to this situation? I just, I just wanted to add a context to the discussion. Uh, if you, uh, one thing that's going on too, uh, Europeans are reproducing. Uh, a study came out. Uh, beginning this year, discussing uh, age, them being an aging population, meaning that there are more elders than there are children. And this kind of reflects a lot of their behavior. And um, another thing regarding um, the mind frame of the police, you know, if, if these police to some extent also, they're just following orders. Mm-hmm. And if they're not getting prosecuted and if they're not getting uh, 
uh, indicted is because they're doing their job. So to some extent, you know, in the long run, our people are going to have to start opening our minds up and start seeing that we need to start really looking at the individuals who are giving in their orders because they like to have this, this pecking order in place, you know. So, for example, uh, Obama can't react to the Flint situation because the state of Michigan has a governor. And the governor can't interact in that situation because the the uh, city of Flint has a mayor. You see what I'm saying? So they put these boundaries of, of, of bureaucracy put in place really to uh, stop liability. You know what I mean? So they can't they can't oversee these these imaginary boundaries of command. You see what I'm saying? Because if Obama was just coming and take place by the situation in Flint, Michigan, he would make the governor look bad. And then the governor, you see what I'm saying, it would make the mayor look bad. Mm-hmm. So in the end, we're going to have to start opening our eyes up, and a lot of us are. A lot of us are, you know. I just want to put that as, as a context as well. So even even if, even if we're just being law-abiding Negroes and having good families, we have to know we're creating the biggest crime because one of the reasons they killed Martin Luther King Jr. was not was because he said we should all just love and get along. And if we all love and get along, a lot of us would mix and a lot of a lot, a lot of Europeans don't want that to happen. A lot of them want to remain. They want their race their race to remain pure, and to some extent, they have a right to do that. But by us, Francis Crosby said, by us understanding that, we should understand that they're, they're they're practicing survival out there, man. Their numbers are low, even though they're in power. They're 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 in the same state as Greeks were. They're not reproducing enough generations to suffice for the next, you know. So as the projected numbers come out, I mean, they saying by. By the year 2100, Europeans will be even smaller. They're already a small percentage, you know, but they're even smaller now. And to some extent, they want to control to take out a lot of us while, they, while they're doing the thing as well or try to control our numbers. I just want to put that in there. If my, you know, y'all can comment on that. Excellent, man. Excellent. Um, you just look at the Flint issue alone, man, just because it's so prevalent right now. Um you realize that the effects of what they did in Flint, Michigan, won't be we won't truly know until maybe ten years from now. You won't fully know. I mean, the effects of lead poisoning is something as far reaching implications on a child. So, um, yeah, if you know, I, I'm not going to. Uh, I, I I wouldn't put it past the situation. Like I said, that's why I say folks need to look at this in the context of a country trying to control the population, trying to control. Um, you know, trying to basically just trying to control the masses and having definitive plans in place. I mean, if you had a basketball team, you would be playing, you know, you in a league, which you look at the league, the world league, you would be looking at how would you win? How can you go to the finals? How, so there's got to be a direction. There has to be, and I put it in those terms just so people can kind of start, stop looking at every Stop looking at folks when they tell you these facts, like Brother McKellar just said, these scenarios, these suggestions of what could be taking place. Don't dismiss it because you have to look at it in terms of something that's relatable. And if you had a team, you would do certain things to win. And if you had an objective, every company has an objective. America ain't nothing but a corporation, one big corporation. Well, lots of little businesses. That's all it is. We have an oligarchy. We don't have a democracy. An oligarchy, which is a uh, capitalistic structure where companies rule. It is ruled by special interests, which is ruled by companies, corporations, for monetary gain. 
And then when you add in the underlying racism that's prevalent throughout it, I mean, how could someone deny that white people want to stay white people? <laughs> Come on, I mean, they want to, some some of them want to look black because they think it's appealing, and we know we you know we we can go into that you know uh, you know the, the you know melanin and all these things, but at the end of the day, they don't want to be black, so that's just the reality. So what would you? So what would they do? What what would they do? You know. Stop you from create, creating or procreation, and, you know, and, and try to procreate more on their side. Or, if they, you know, like someone told me, they said, Tim, man, if you if you want the best house on the block, you don't have to improve your house. You just got to blow up the others. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. No, definitely. That, that was, yeah, 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 man. That was a, that was. Damn, I might have to use that one right there, brother. I might have to use that. <laughs> feel free, son. Feel free, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's just stated so plainly. That's just so plain right there. You don't have to upgrade yours. All you got to do is blow up theirs. Destroy yep. they, they bring their property value down. You want yours to go up? Just tear theirs down. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, man. Exactly. You got you always got a good perspective, and it was a story that came out, and where I seen the story come out, and I and I just felt like we were getting misled somewhere, and, and there was some reason that they threw the story out, but it was just a it was just a, a sensational piece, and it was out for everybody, and that was El Chapo, mm. and that's El Chapo getting caught, and shit like that, and I, right. And, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at the shit, and you know, I I have my own little perspective on it, but then when you, you just brought it so clear that, listen, this man reigned for over 20 years, 25 years as a drug lord. What would, what would make him want to go produce a movie? Can you just touch, can you just touch that? Because the people, I think people went dumb. Because I'm, I'm trying to go slow on that. But you, you made some excellent points on, on him being caught again in the context around him being caught. It's amazing, man. The, the effect of white supremacy, man, is so... It's so pervasive, man. It's, it has people so asleep at the wheel, man. It's sad. El Chapo, the man ran a billion dollars. This man is intelligent enough, enough for two decades plus to run a multi-million dollar, some say billion dollar corporation to escape prison not once, not twice, but three times. And, uh, well, this two times. But, but, but. To say this man put himself back in jail because he wanted someone to make a movie about him, that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make look, 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 if 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 I told you that Bush did that, you would be like, get the hell out of here, the way Bush that damn dumb. And Bush is dumb. He got horrible grades. He never ran anything. He inherited money. He didn't run a what? The whole the whole the whole everything is based on the idea that a man who we already know they're going to make movies about because they make movies about all gangsters, right? They make movies about all gangsters. This is what we do from John Gotti to Al Capone to, to uh, uh, any gangster, Bobby Johnson. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just saying, yeah, Bobby Johnson, go ahead. I was just naming a couple yeah, of them. That's what we do. 
Frank White. That's what we do in America. That's our culture. That's what we provide the planet, entertainment and distraction. So anyway, for them to, for them to suggest that El Chapo risked his freedom so he could help aid a movie being made about him, it's totally ludicrous. The man had enough money and enough people where he could say, look, commission somebody to make a screenplay for me. Go get it done. I'll fund it. I'll give you the money. He did not need to meet John 10. He did not. And the fact that people think that a billionaire, damn near a billionaire who's been locked up for years and now is free would risk that to kick it with a Hollywood dude who has no real power, he ain't nothing but a he only, he top ten is nothing but an actor slash writer or something. It's not it's not the making the the owner of Warner Brothers, but the fact that he's got brownish skin made them believe he is that stupid. And I don't care what the media says. I do not believe I do not believe it went down this the way they said it did. I do not believe it. It's just ludicrous, man. But people brought it. Why? Because he, because he's not white. He's Mexican, <laughs> and they believe he's that <laughs> dumb that he would actually risk it. What would you do? What would? What would? An, I mean, and I don't run like I'm. A, I think I'm a smart guy, reasonably intelligent. Reasonably intelligent. I mean, I got to be smart enough not to do that shit. Come on, and, and I don't run a billion dollars. I don't run, you know, I haven't found a way, you know, you know, to make that type of money for that long, uninterrupted. So that's the deal, man. This is, it. but they sold it. They sold it, man. They, and you tell, you tell a lie long enough, think it was Hitler. You tell, oh, who was it? Hitler? Was it maybe Hitler or Stalin? Tell a lie long enough, it becomes true. And they also say if you, people, People, it's easier to tell people a lie than to convince them that they've been lied to. Because people, yeah. when, you, when you start convincing them that they've been lied to, then it's that enters an area within them which is their uh, their ego. See, you can you know you can keep lying to somebody, but once you tell them the truth, they have to admit they've been fooled. And people do not like to admit they've been fooled because that questions their level of intelligence. So they'd rather believe the lie. Because then they'd have to admit it. That, yeah, you know, um, I wasn't that smart right there. You're right. I, I did buy that one. I can't believe I fell for that shit. Yeah, they, they, don't want, <laughs> they don't actually want to believe that. And, you know, that, you're 100% correct. And that, and that right there, that prevailing thought in the people's mind is one of the reasons why now in what they would call the conscious community, a lot of people are being robbed and duped out of money being scammed and conned because of that reason right there and not coming out because they don't want anybody to know that they weren't as intelligent as they thought that they were, that somebody could scheme them and scam them out of some money and they wouldn't know that they was being scammed. And, mm, man, that was, oh, man, that was an excellent point you hit right there because I'm seeing that hard right now, our people being just led down the wrong pathway because we don't want to, we just won't say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Don't understand. Yep. Got me. You got me. Please, somebody help me, because somebody got me. And nobody yep. wants to admit that they're not as smart as, but they think that they are. 
you know, I, I had to learn that myself, man. I mean, I, I learned it from a person on the job like 10 years ago. I was working for this company in D.C. called Revolution Health Group, which was founded by uh, the co-founder of AOL, Steve Case. And, you know, I'm corporate, corporate dude, whatever, doing whatever. And uh, people would try to get me. Like, these, these, you know, it was a predominantly white company. I'm like one of the few brothers in there. I'm like, oh, man, you know. Um, and people would try to get me because they come in and they ask me something. Like, uh, uh, Tim, uh, we want to know, can we get new monitors and uh, can we do this? And I'd be like, uh, they're like, well, you know, we really need it because we're doing this. And I'd be like, well, I said, yeah, yeah, I can do that and let's see what we got, you know. And one of the people pulled me up, brother pulled me up and said, man, do not let these people put you on the spot. Do not feel like you have to make snap judgments. Tell them, let me look into it and I'll get back to you. And then take the time to evaluate. But what's been happening is people have been emotion, making choices emotionally, what, and feeling like they have to make decisions immediately. And if you if you just take that off the table and say, you know what, I will not make decisions. I will look into anything before I take action. Before I open my wallet, <laughs> I'm going to allow myself. It's a rule. You know what? It's nothing personal. I'm, I have a rule. Before I give you money, anyone money, not just you, anyone money. I sleep on it, and I look into it. That's just me. And if more people did that, then you won't be so susceptible to scams because they, they rely on, on emotion. And you don't have to be the sharpest, the sharpest knife in the drawer to figure out how to be, the human psyche works, man, because it's been done a million times. You can pick up the power book by Robert Greene and figure it out. It ain't nothing. You ain't even got to read the whole book. Read a couple chapters. And you'll know that people, how people react to certain artists' seduction by Robert Greene. You know, check that book out. It's really not that in-depth. And, and frankly, guys, it gets to the point where you have to, you know, you have to kind of say, well, you know what, you got to maintain your ethics because once you start getting in front of people, man, and you have something you're trying to get done, it's not. It's really not a fair. It's it's truly not fair. Nothing's fair, but it's not. I'll say it's not. It's it's. Uh, and I, I, let me just tell you, man. It's not. It's not very. It's difficult to be a black man trying to make a difference. Like they say, you can come to do good. You can stay so long, but your focus becomes only to do well. And if you understand what I mean, I mean, you know, live well, um, be well off, become wealthy. You understand? So we came to do good and stay so long, we just started focusing on, you know, on how we could do well. And that's what happens sometimes. And I think there's always got to be a change in the guard. Some of these people need to sit their ass down. Al Sharpton wasn't so bad a long time ago. He just he outlived his – there's a self-life for what we do. Because eventually, white supremacy is going to offer you a deal they you can't refuse, or they're going to kill you. I go into this knowing, brothers, that I'm going to have to die for mine, period. And if you don't have that mentality, you're in the wrong business, because that's what's going to happen. Either you are going to become, you live long enough to become the devil, or you die, period. Or you get out of it. That's it. There's actually another way. You can get out. But you got to be willing. You got to be willing to accept these realities. And, and anyone listening, I'm telling you, the, this is just the fact of the matter. Jesse Jackson, he was not a scumbag 20 years ago. You become one. 
because you have power, because power is corruptible around the wrong people. Your people are, are asleep, and they're not waking up, and these people are coming with gifts and tokens, and you've been doing it 20 years, and even you go out like Malcolm X, because you will not compromise your position, your ethics, your integrity, or you, you succumb and you say, well, look what I can do with the money. Look what I can get done. I mean, I can help more people. You start making allowances. You start rationalizing your betrayal of your ideals. And I go in, I say, I, and I just have, I keep telling myself, you know, you know what? This ain't about money for me as long as I can feed my family. As long as I can make ends meet, I can live indoors, I'm good. And you have to keep every day I tell myself that when I see a story where I can flip it and make $1,000 off that story, instead I make $10. You see what I'm saying? Every day. So, so when I look at someone, when you guys look at me, don't just look at the stories I do. Look at the stories I could have done. That's the true test of what I'm about. And I try to tell people that every decision, the biggest decision I make is what story I do. And then it's what angle I take, but it's more importantly what story I do. Because every day if I wanted to, I could do a story of a black man beating a woman's ass. Or every day I could do a story of a black woman um, um, uh, dogging a guy out or killing her kids. I mean, the data is there for whatever you want to do. Frankly, America loves to, loves to beat up on us, man. That's what they do. And that's where the money is. I'm just going to tell you, it's where the money is. And when I listen to some of these so-called conscious folks, they are doing it. They're, 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 they're peppering their, their, their messages with that same, with the same talking points as white supremacists. Mm-hmm. And you don't, people don't, and they say, well, we're just doing it for the good. When, when, look, and I'm going to put him out there, man. I'm going to put him out there. When, and I love some of the things he talks about, but it's the psychology behind, behind it. Why do you think Dr. Umar will say, black people don't do this and black people don't do that, and we black people don't, we don't support our own, and i got to do this to black people. He's got a point, but why is he saying it? Because he knows it's effective. And I'm not saying anything negative about the brother as far as what he's overall trying to do. But he has to do that to shame people. But it's the pathology of what we're used to as a people who have been broke, battered, bruised, uh, dehumanized, told, uh, belittled, uh, self-esteem or zero or minus city in this country where that is effective for us. That would not work for white folks. You couldn't go into a group of white folks and talk about what they're not doing and how they ain't shit and how they don't pull together, and how, you know, we won't give money. That would never work. You have to go to white folks the opposite way. You feel what I'm saying? There are buttons you push to push a narrative that's going to be successful. And I'm not saying, but see, at the end of the day, say, well, you know what? What I'm going to do with this money, though, I'm going to do something positive, because these brothers and sisters are not, they need me to do this, because if I don't do this, they're going to spend it anyway. If I don't do this, they're going to do this anyway. They're going to buy some Jordans. So now you become part of the same shit that those racist David Duke bastards are propagating without even trying to be. And they say it's for your own good. 
everyone tells me Tommy Sotomayor. There are black people that watch him that don't. I was just going to ask you about him, brother. Go yeah. ahead. I was just going to ask you about black people. Go like, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to tell you all, man. I ain't got no reason to hide from these, these dudes, man. Some of them are brothers. Just look, there are black people that watch, they listen to me every day. I do shows two or three hours a day. They don't even watch TV no more, son. They watch my show. But they also watch Tommy Sotomayor, and it infuriates me. Because I'm like, why? Well, you know what? He don't hate black people. He's just trying to help them. He just has a different method, Tim Black. I'm like, how? By telling you you ain't shit. By telling you you ain't that you are dysfunctional, by telling you to date white women, that's his solution? That's his plan? That's that's the message. That's what he's telling you. And that somehow is uplifting? That, 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 that's the story. So he doesn't really want to challenge what's really going on. He wants to make, look, I used this analogy yesterday, and I'm going to tie Tommy to it somehow. Black people in America, no matter what Tommy Sotomayor says, he don't want to debate me. I eat him. I worked with him on one video one time a year and a half ago, and he she fucked me, and I'll never deal with him again, period. But if he blames black people for their condition in America, here's the deal. We don't run shit. Name an institution in America we run. We run nothing from law enforcement to health care to, to uh, politics to – I mean, you, you cannot name a single – area in America that we run. You you know, so you hear white people complain, well, you know, you, you complain about the Oscars, well, we ain't in the NBA, well, you, you know, you, we don't run it, dummy. You know, we, we don't run it, we play in it. You know, we're employees. Come on, get it real. But, for instance, if you were my next door neighbor, Brother Bourne, and you notice my trash cans kept falling over onto your lawn, or my car was, was parked across your parking space, if I have a 17-year-old son who lives here. He's my son. I love him. If you came and knocked on my door and you had a problem with how I was keeping my home or my property, you wouldn't say, uh, I wouldn't come to the door and you say, hey, I got a problem, Mr. Black. Can I speak to your, can I speak to your son? Because you know my son don't learn shit. My son, my son does not pay the bills. He does not own the car. He don't even have a license. He didn't park the car. He didn't drive the car. He didn't he didn't buy the house. He don't it ain't his job. So that's the same and I'm not calling I'm not calling my brothers and sisters, man. We're not children. But we are not running shit in America. And the idea that there are people like Stacey Dash that blame black people for racism as if because if we had BET, we got racism. That's the reason why there's racism. And you got these, that bastard, that reverend out there in New York, I forget his name, O'Coon ass, talking about black folks. We're the problem now because we won't let it go. And you got Tommy Sotomayor sitting up there talking about Black women. Look, black women don't run America. We are the victims of this situation. We are trying to survive in a situation that's against us. We are like my son. We do not control shit. Of course, we can get out. We can rebel. We, are going, we can come into our own. But anything that goes on in the United States is run and operated by the United States government. So when I hear guys like Tommy Sotomayor, I laugh and chuckle because it ain't nothing but a lane. But unfortunately, 
black people are so hurt that they respond to negativity. Like the mothers, I grew up with a mother who said a lot of hurtful shit. She said it, she said it was out of love. It, 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 it was no good for my esteem. You're going to be just like your father. Black people always do this. Black is always always followed by a negative. Get your black ass up. Get your get your nappy head ass up. Well, you 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 know black people don't know. These are all parts of our of our dehumanization that has occurred here in the United States, and these guys are making money off it. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. You, you definitely know you're on point. You're on point with that. I mean, you're on point. You know, when you when you say that, I remember one thing from when I was in the NOI. Elijah Muhammad. I remember something that Elijah Muhammad. You read. I read what Elijah Muhammad said. Elijah Muhammad said, um, "You don't keep reminding the people about how bad they are, lest they revert right back to it." So you used to tell the ministers and stuff. You don't come in here and talk to uh, talk to these black people and and beat up on about black people ain't worth this and black people do this right. and black people ain't that. Because all of that going on and on, all you're doing is programming them to go back out into the world and be exactly what you're talking about. It's simple psychology, Brother Born, that if you want people to aspire to greatness, you treat them as if they're already great. That is, that is like psychology 101. You want your child to act better, you treat the child. You want the child to get better grades? You speak to them in the past tense of them already achieving that. You tell them how intelligent they are, how they are, how this is their true self is the intelligence, is to execute on that intelligence because you are great. You do not tell them you ain't shit and then say expect them to be great to prove you wrong. You are programming them to believe that. And these people spend, they sent, they, they sent Tommy Sotomayor $40,000. He ain't made shit. And they're still sending him money. Like you said, they are doubling down. <laughs> they're doubling down on that by continuing, continuing to send money because they're so used to being kicked. They don't know how to live any other way. To them, I would not be talking real. I'm not keeping it real if I'm not shitting on you. <laughs> I'm not keeping it real. Oh, he's sugarcoating it. Why? Because you're not telling these women they ain't shit. say, well, well, I come from a standpoint of, well, if the woman ain't shit, leave her ass alone. What you want me to say? Why are you sleeping with a woman that ain't shit? Why would you do that? Oh, you want to be, oh, my bad, you want to be a victim of a black woman? You're a grown-ass man. Leave her alone. Why are you with somebody who you think is not an asset to you? That's your responsibility as a man. I want to focus on what you can change. You can't control her not being about her business, but you can control who you be with. Well, I already got kids with her. Well, whose fault is that? Now what you going to do? So either you're going to better the situation or you're going to leave. Well, me sitting up here telling you all day that she ain't shit. How does that help you? What does that do for you? It just soothes them. It just confirms their already negative beliefs about themselves. Which they're getting reinforced, and frankly, guys, it's hard to combat it because it's on every channel, yeah, every movie, in every sitcom, everywhere you look, and that's why that's why sometimes I so I don't want to make it seem like I hate Tommy. He started off like me. People don't know that Tommy started off on Blow Talk Radio and doing videos about helping the black family stay together. But it don't pay. 
So like I said, you have to decide what you're going to be in this for. You're going to be in this to be successful monetarily, or do you want to do you want to be mean or meaningful? Which one do you want to be? Do you want to do good, or do you want to be well, live well? It's a choice. I want to add on something real quick, too. I, I, and it was to add on to your point, Brother Tim, it's kind of funny because I think people are donating to that because they want to see that movie, and, and, and the movie is going to be a visual of what he talk about. <laughs> it's going to be a... <laughs> I, 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 think, I think it's more... Yeah, I think I agree with you, and I think it's also to do what they just don't want to admit that, uh, you know, they don't want to admit they've been duped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 to, I used to, I'm telling you, when I first seen the, when I first seen Tommy Sotomayor, when I first seen a couple of his videos, I was like, yo, I'm just going to make a couple of good points. But the more that I looked at it, the the worse the commentary, you know, then you start to see a, a whole encompassing thing, and it was only one thing that made me realize exactly what I was dealing with, is that I remember him, um, he did a video and said, listen, I love black women, and the day that I start dating a white woman, I'm, I don't got nothing else to say about black, about black people, black women, period. I'm through because I done left my I done, I, I left out of there, and then I seen him with that damn white woman, and he was still making the commentary. I said, "Look at this here," but the people were still donating, and then it seemed like he had an even greater following after he started dating the white woman. I said, oh, "I said," and I said, "Look at this is the depth of the African sickness. We want somebody to talk. We've come to a point where we've looked for people to talk down to us." Look for people to tell us that we ain't shit, you know. And, and, I, and, and you know, I don't, I don't know what much, much more to say about that. But it's just something that that it has become, uh, you know. As you said, you know, it's like uh, you ain't worth shit. You are gonna be just like your daddy, just that negative. Whereas though we expect that if somebody talk down to us bad enough, we'll fight it and win. Which I never yeah. seen happen. And you know what? It's the psychology of uh, it's just where we are mentally, man. It's what it's what works, frankly, um, for some of us. Not all of us. There are there are educated black folks who that does that game does not run on them, but they are playing to the audience that they created. That's why you got to be careful what audience you create, because that's going to be who you have. Like someone told me that when I first started, I like Tim, be careful because I was doing too much kumbaya, frankly. You know, because my social conditioning has been, I've had to navigate among multi-diversity. D.C. is very diverse as far as the working D.C., not the city D.C. at the time it wasn't. But I had to navigate through areas of diversity, everything from Middle Easterns to Asians to whites to blacks to, you know, that's what you're going to deal with, transgenders. You're going to deal with um, biracial. You're going to deal with, uh, you know, Homosexuals, homosexuals. I mean, in order to get your money, you're gonna if you're in D.C. and you work within the government contract or anything along those lines, you gotta deal with a lot of people. And if you can't, you ain't gonna have a job because that's just how it is. That's the makeup. In fact, you gonna feel when you see brothers nine nine times, but I say, I don't know, six times out of ten, they will be gay. 
because that's what safe is. That's just the reality of D.C. That's the makeup of our professionals. So, so we, and they told me, say, Tim, you know, you should be careful who you attract, which you do, because the the the, the look, the, the, if you catch the dog, you got to feed it. You bring the dog home, you got to maintain it. And you ain't going to want to. Don't go creating a situation you ain't going to want to keep up. Yeah, you're going to get big numbers, but now you got to deal with that. Now you got goofy dudes hitting you up, asking you retarded questions all day. Well, I don't understand why I'm black. I'm like, God, why I got... Well, what is racism, really? I'm like, oh, my God. And you got black dudes, same thing. Black dudes going, well, Jim, don't you think that we just need... I mean, maybe RZA had a point. Maybe we do need to just dress better. I'm like, this dude don't have Google. This man, i never seen the lynching party. He never seen the lynching pictures. Brothers had on suits. And they still cut their nuts off. Everyone dressed like that back in the back in the thirties and forties. That's how we rolled. Everyone wore dress dress clothes, you know. But 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 once again, you know, they are playing. They are playing the They are playing tunes that make their audience dance. Bottom line. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that was the Oh, go ahead, go ahead, come. Oh, oh, you know, you oh, said yeah. that thing about the, that was the thing. The RZA just came out with that, with that statement mm-hmm. about you know we just need to, you know, we might need to just be dressing better, changing, yeah. and, you know, it 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 make the police look at us differently if we dress better. And as you said, you know, the number one thing is that damn well, well, well what was these brothers? You know, all the way up through the '60s, '70s, brothers still got in, in suits clean all the way up into the '70s. I got pictures of my pops in them. Them brothers, they sharp. Mm-hmm. All the way up to then, but they, that didn't stop nobody from getting their head bust by the police. We just seen the sister, and you know, well, how did how did that stop Sandra Bland? That sister was dressed nice. Yep. She didn't have, she didn't look, uh, you know, she was had college degree. Yep. She was a sorority. But that yep, didn't yeah. stop from getting getting murdered. Not at all. Yes, I think that's a perspective you can see from individuals who kick it with people who don't know the black experience. Like, for example, the media has conditioned non-black people to see, when they, they see atrocities we face, they've been conditioned to see that, damn, it's just those Negroes just don't want to jump on the bandwagon. And to some extent, we're being punished for doing that. Mm-hmm. So when, when, you, when you see individuals like the RZA, let's be real, the is not in the community no more. He's often exposed, you know, you, you are the company you keep. If you hang around nine broke motherfuckers, you'll be the tip. If you hang around nine Europeans, you know, you're doing business, you'll get caught up in how they view us. And you'll forget that your history and you'll make statements like maybe we need to dress a little better or maybe as if as if, if, if it's an uh, issue of uniform. Mm-hmm. And that's not in, in the most conservative era in America was the 60s, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, it and was. was still, yeah, yeah, that was the most conservative era because when men wore suits and ties and women didn't wear jeans. They wore dresses, you know, and, and everything exactly. was in uniform. <laughs> you know, when you went swimming, you was in uniform when you went, you know. But I'm going to tell you and I'm going to tell your listeners, man, let me tell you, man, the, the reality is you can, RZA is following a blueprint that is old as Jim Crow. And the blue plan is this. Black people 
if they want to get ahead, they need to make white people feel comfortable. And right now what's going on in society is white people are starting to feel guilty. They're starting to feel bad. They got to see videos constantly of white guys killing black guys and black women for nothing. Never before did they have to see that shit. So if you can make them feel like it's not their fault somehow, you will win because that's what they want. People say they don't understand what white privilege is. People know what white privilege is for the most part, but I make it so clear they can't ignore because I take out the monetary issue. I say white privilege is not money-related. White privilege is you walking past my car and me not hitting my locks. That's white privilege. White privilege is getting on the elevator and no one clutches their purse. The woman that clutches her purse in the elevator is the same woman who works at the school where my son goes to, is her, te- is her teacher. Do you think the fact that when her, his father gets on the elevator, she clutches her purse, that may impact or be a symptom or show a sign of how she treats my son, who's a reflection of me? So any time you can make them feel a little less guilty and say it's not your fault, white people, that you will win because that's what they want. Because they, most people are not as ignorant. Of course, we got some ignorant folks that just, they can't believe their own eyes. Okay. But when that cop shot, when, when Slager, Michael Slager shot uh, Walter Scott in the back, running as slow as that 50-year-old man was running, with nothing in his hand, white people, I don't care where you come from, the reddest redneck was like, well, that damn, that, that was wrong right there. That's, I don't know how he could shoot that big guy. He wouldn't even run that in. Over child support? I owe child support. So so in order to feel, how can you look in the mirror? I mean, they remember, they feel connected to that because he's a white officer. You have to, in order for white people to feel comfortable, they need you to take their guilt off of them. And that's what RZA did. He gave them an out. He said, it's not your fault. Black people in the story. If you really listen to what he said, it wasn't just the clothes. He said, it's black people's fault that cops are afraid. Mm-hmm. Afraid of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, it's your job that I not be afraid of you when you get on the elevator. It's your job that I'm not afraid. I talked to her. I remember I was trying to get a, I was getting, I, I was having a review for my uh, raise. And I had just got great marks and everything, which is hard to do in a, a male, white male dominated corporation in America. And I'm sitting there, I'm talking to the white lady alone in an office. And I'm like, well, how did I get these high marks and you're giving me this little crappy ass 2%? And she said, in the middle of it, she said, Tim, I'm not feeling comfortable right now i.e., you a big, scary black man, i.e., you need to make me feel better. And before I left her office, I had to humble myself and not have to go out of my way so she didn't feel threatened. Now, anyone else can be upset that they got a shitty raise and be concerned and have a pensive look on their face. But the fact that I did concerning my money after being told I did an ex above average extraordinary job, that was frightening to her. So mm. once again, once again, if we the way RZA just RZA's following the blueprint, fellas, 
of of uh, make them feel comfortable, and you will you will excel. It's a tried and tested method. Mm-hmm. Let me feel okay about my racism. Let me feel okay about hurting you. Um, let me, you know, make me make it better, black guy. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I, um, you're saying that I, I can recollect Damon Wayne. Damon Wayne's had a, a comedy special one time, and um, he was speaking on on just this just this topic right here of um, him being questioned by reporters on racism. He said, and the reporter frames the question is, oh, well, Mr. Damon Wayne's, um, you made thirteen million dollars in this industry. Now, what is your perspective on racism in America and Hollywood? He said, yeah, huh? What? We, I don't see no racism here. <laughs> Everything seems fine to me. Yep. And that's the perspective. And, he, and, and the way he said it, you know, it's just that, they, you know, they, he looking at he said, the only thing in my mind was that next check. You know what I mean? Cause that, and that's what be going on. You know, they, they, they sit there right there in front of you. The media come right there. They know how much money you've been making and all that shit. And then they mm-hmm. frame the question, now what you think about what's going on here? And the only thing in their mind is they next check. Hmm. Well, how should I goddamn answer this? Well, you know, I don't really see nothing going wrong with cops. <laughs> I think it's like, oh, really, really the problem. They look at police the wrong way, need to pull their britches up, and, yep. and you know more three piece suits, and we'll be better off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put it on it. Now that's funny. Yeah, that's a funny example because I remember um, I was listening to a lecture by Automatics the other night that the brother uh, Griff had uh, uh, advised that night the other night ago, brother Moore, and he was describing his experience going to Georgia University's law school. And he said that it was only three brothers who went to the whole university. He was one of them. And there was one brother who every day he went well-dressed in a suit. And they're in Georgia, right? And one of, the, one of their classmates, a white guy, he was saying that his father had a problem with him. And one of the problems he had was him wearing a suit. So even though they were, you know, they, how you doing and so forth, they would give him a certain look and so forth. And as it continued, he even got a post that his father said that if he would wear jeans and a T-shirt to school every day and not wear that suit, that he would pay for his tuition. I believe it. I believe it. Going to show you that on one hand... There's, there's a small contingency because there's a lot of, of white minorities in America as well. The Irish being one of them. Um, and, you know, before they can hand us anything, they have to deal with their own. So to some extent, there's going to be a large contingency of those that's going to remain a little envious and jealous of us and will take their frustrations out on us just because we're in uniform. So I think, you know, we got to look at that as well. I had an experience as well where I was wearing, because I was just conditioned to wear, to, to wear shirts and ties and suits. That's what I wore. Mostly shirt and tie. I didn't really wear shirts. I couldn't really afford it. I wasn't kicking it like that. And I had a manager come up to me and say exactly what you just said. Tim, uh, is it a reason why uh, 
you know, you don't have to wear a tie every day, you know. I'm like, well, you know, it's what I have. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's not a, you know, I wouldn't really try to impress nobody. Uh, but, uh, you, know, you know, you don't have to do that, uh, okay? And I'm like, and I, it didn't dawn on me immediately. But I thought, I thought about it, I was like, you know what? He doesn't want me to have status. You get what I'm saying? He didn't want me to have status. People are looking at you, darky, like you are someone, and you are no one. <laughs> we don't no. want you to have power. You look like someone who has power. Look like the man. Mm-hmm. You look like my well supervisor. You're in there looking like his supervisor. He like, hold up. You looking like you my manager. I ain't going to say that right now, but you ain't really got to wear that all the time. Because you're looking like the boss in here, and I ain't looking like the boss right now. Right. Everybody else see it. You know, you know what I mean? People asking me, who is that guy? Yeah. Right. Especially if you're looking good in the suit. Then you could, like, like, you could pass the test as being one. I almost was finna call you boss. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Hey, man, it's deep, man. It's like, well, how deep does the bunny hole go, man? But I, let me add this, man, because I just feel like I have an obligation, man. Uh, the, everything that I stated here regarding what we what we go through, we have to have compassion and empathy for brothers, man, and sisters going through it because they are trapped behind this bullshit. You know, as much as I want to just <laughs> – don't get me wrong, man. I want to wring the neck of some of these dudes, man, that are projecting this bullshit. I have to remember RZA is in the system. Mm-hmm. He in the, he's he's like like people like people came down on LeBron. I did a video about LeBron. I don't know if you saw this one, Mick. I did a video about LeBron. It's like everybody wants LeBron to step out and talk about Tamir Rice and champion Tamir Rice. And I understand the anguish. I understand the frustration. But LeBron is one guy in a system. No one else is in the situation that he's in. I mean, how many black folks are in this situation where they actually have power, influence, money, and any time they could come for LeBron? It really don't take that much to have a Kobe incident. Yeah. And we saw what we do. We saw we look how we did Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. Look how we did him. So, but, but they expect LeBron, and look, I said, guys, look, he came out on Argonna. He started the hoodie movement for Trayvon. Mm-hmm. You forgot everything he's ever done now because he didn't do this one thing you wanted him to do. This one thing, but he's done other stuff for you without you asking. But your memory is so short. But we need him to do, we need, I said, look, he's he not doing, remember what Muhammad Ali, Ali, I said, look. Muhammad Ali had uh, Elijah Muhammad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who LeBron got? That's some dudes he grew up with who probably don't know shit. Who's inspiring LeBron James? So I put the onus on us, and I say, look, where is the inspiration for LeBron James? Who's the person who's talking, who's motivating, who's inspiring him to make him be selfless? Mm-hmm. No one. We expect him to be, this is a man who was raised without a father, 
um, a, a man who's, who's made some money, who's surrounded by peers his same age group, who probably are no more enlightened, no more conscious, no more aware of what's going on than, than, than he is, and we expect him to all of a sudden to put the black civil rights issues of the, you know, of the 21st century on his back and walk boldly and proudly and forego money and forego fame and risk it all for a child, and even if he did speak out and didn't play. That doesn't get you no damn conviction. I say. It won't get you. It may get them to say, well, let's go and play with some other people. <laughs> it may lose him all his endorsements. Then what y'all going to do? What y'all going to do for him after that? What you going to do for him when it's just the big dog, big guy working at uh, Walmart? Or like owning a couple WalMarts. I mean, there's a lot of brothers like that who did well, who own a couple dealerships. Mm-hmm. I mean, for real, for real. So I want us to be compassionate. We also need to be compassionate to one another when we realize, man, brothers need help, and brothers don't always make the right decision. We can't so quickly do a Tariq Nasheed and throw everybody under the bus. And I'm not faulting Tariq because Tariq's got a role to play. But I got a role, too, and it's not to be like Tariq. We need me. You feel me? Like, And I want you to feel like we need you. That's we need right. people that have unique voices to this. There's got to be different levels. There's, as much as we got, if we got a Tariq throwing people on the coon train, we need a Tim Black having a little compassion, but still keeping it real, but having a little bit of compassion because we can't all be him. And we shouldn't all be the same. So my thing is, when I see a brother doing wrong, I want to correct him with love. Not eight videos about he crispy. I mean, it's funny. Don't get me wrong. I watch some joints and laugh my ass off. And I've had beef with I've had beef with Tariq because I called his show one time and, he, and I felt like he made me the he tried to go in on me after I got off the phone. He didn't really do it when I was talking to him, but then all of a sudden after I got off the phone, I became the butt of, I became the, the, the focal point of his show for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, I do now understand what he was trying to say. It's just everything is, it's, it's that, it's that uh, like I say, the pathology that we have from a damaged past where all we do is dozens we play the dozens on one another. That's all we do. We were brought up doing that. White people don't do that shit. So we can't confuse, like Dr. Joy says, don't confuse culture for for abuse, an abuse past. We think it's cultural that we roast one another. Think of the name, the word roasting. What used to happen to us when we think about it? Mm-hmm. Where do you think it came from? Well, I, I grew up, we sit on the front stoop, we cut on each other, cut on each other. Think about it. White people don't do that shit. Did you think this is black, this is black, this is black culture. This is what we, no, it's black. This is, this is the remnants of our, our dehumanization of our victimhood of being here in the United States. And we confuse it for what? For what black being black is. Exactly. So I'm cognizant. So last thing, man, I just want us all to be cognizant of that. And and I, and once again, man, it's like me trying to, you know, it's me trying to get water out of a boat with a teacup or a Dixie cup. I mean, come on, it's like because people is you fighting a you fighting a uphill battle. 
Because, like I said, man, people were conditioned to it. Now, you make an excellent point. And that's, that's one of the points when our sisters, um, who, who um, regularly is on the show, she always, she always makes sure that anytime we're dealing with something, she always makes sure that we get back to the point that we're all conditioned, that we're all in this system together, and none of us is totally free. If you find the person, let, if you find the free one, let me know where he at and how he got there. Mm-hmm. There has to be a therapeutic approach as well. If we can give facts of, of the situations we're in, but at the end of the discussion, we always have to have some therapeutic uh, 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 optimism. You know what I'm saying? To keep mm-hmm. us going. You know what I mean? We can't. We, you know, we've been conditioned through pessimistic uh, 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 pathology, like the brother just stated. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's, that's very much, uh, and that's that's the, that, that that that's part of the process of implanting a Eurocentric mind and and an African. You know what I mean? That that mm-hmm. to some extent, like Amos Wilson said, that is the key tool that protects white supremacy is the self hate mechanism that's placed within us, and that the white man, the white man's security button. Is the insecurity of the black man and black woman's uh, uh, image and, and love for themselves. You see what I'm saying? Amazing. Exactly. Amazing. Brilliant. And for you, brother Tim, we got to tell you a lot of our hosts. We come on here, and, and, and we just want—I just want to say that you, you're, you're FOG certified, which means your feet on the ground. <laughs> your feet are definitely on the ground. You have a, a nice, solid foundation, brother. And we wanted to make sure we brought you on and interviewed you, and, and, and you know, here, 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 here are the facts is they need to be persuaded, but also give you a, a, a chance to put it out there as you need to put it out there, brother. You know. Hey man, well look, man. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. It's been a great experience, and it's, it's you know I, I enjoy being able to chop it up with you, man, and just keep it real all the way, man. And, um, hey, what can I say, man? I you know I appreciate it. Thank you. Most definitely, we're glad to have you on. You know, again in the future, you know what I mean. And and if you are you coming on tonight, brother? If you are, can you go ahead and get the people, uh, uh, you know, how they gonna find you and, and where they can get your information? Oh yeah, sure, man. Um, Check me out, guys. I'll be if you want to catch the live show, man. It's unrehearsed, unscripted. It's at uh, timblacktv.com is where you go. That's going to redirect you to where the show is. Sometimes you know these these folks they do different things, so sometimes it'll be a different location. But as long as you have that URL, timblacktv.com, you'll be able to find the live show. And I also have an archive of shows that I do, videos that I do on various topics. That's at imtimblack.com. The show, the live shows at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The archive is available all the time, and I've got over 900 videos currently. All right. Well, boy, okay. anything else you want to say? No. You know, no. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how pressed you are for time, bro. That's why I was asking that. No, I, I just look. Um, I look forward to having a, you know, having another discussion. Definitely look forward to calling into the brother's show. Um. And maybe doing, you know, maybe one day we can get together. We might be able to simulcast with our show and his show mm-hmm. at the same time. We come on a little bit later than you. But, um, you know, we might be able to work, work some things out where we can come on at the same time. But um, definitely look forward to to um, tuning in and, and telling people, listen, man, y'all, y'all, hear, y'all heard the brothers. Um, definitely, I'm, I'm, hey, listen, he's a friend of the, he seemed like a friend of the room to me. 
You know, and any time you want to come in, you're always welcome to you always <laughs> over here, man. And we could definitely always always um, put together some, some good work because we need this. We def- definitely need media outlets that are bringing forth a different perspective, and we need to have our media outlets linked up so we can start doing some of the same things some of these other people do, making sure that we have specific topics that all, all these black media outlets, we're going to touch this. No matter what, no matter what your perspective is, but we're going to make sure that look, these these items need to be touched every week and stuff like and certain things like that. So I definitely look forward to working with you in the future. Hey man, thank you so much, man. I appreciate the support, and I and I appreciate being feet on the ground certified, man. I appreciate that, <laughs> no doubt. That's what's up. No problem. Just, Just want to get his last little uh, African proverb, uh, you know, so we you know we're on the right track. Um. When the flood comes, the wise man builds bridges while the fool builds dams. So, you know, we just trying to build some bridges right now. You know what I'm saying? And I will be calling out tonight, brother. Uh, in fact, uh, I've been calling more frequently because, you know, you come on an hour before we do. So I like to call in and see what's going on with Brother Tim first and then come on and rock out. So, I, uh, you know, I'll be calling in tonight, brother. Bill with you. That'll work. I'll be looking for the call, man. Y'all take care now. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Yes. All right. Thank you all. Thank Bye-bye. You. Thank you. All right. Black Power family, this has been, this been a feet on the ground special. Uh, Brother Tim Black came in and, and chopped it up with us nice. We'll see y'all later on tonight, Think Tank Thursday. We're going to get it in real nice. But, uh, again, we thank y'all for coming out. Black Power, BB48, my hotel. We go out like we come in. Praising that turn. Glory to Garvey. More living spirit of Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad. Cracking the Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.